Welcome to Malpractice Podcast. Are you ready to get started? <laughs> I'm super ready. <laughs> I don't know why. Did you hear how peppy that was? Yeah, we're peps. Peps for sure. I sounded like a cheerleader. Oh, you clapped. Um, Oh, my God. (laughs) Assaulting the ears. (laughs) Attacking me. Hello. Listen, the thing about it is it feels like it's been a thousand years since we've done this, but also the blink of an eye. Yeah, also three seconds. Um, Because how is this year almost gone? Dude, the year of our Lord COVID round two. The year of our Lord and Savior. Make that make sense. How is it fall? Yeah, I was like very shocked at the good weather we were having. I was like... Speaking of weather, some of you may know, I live in Houston, and we are in the middle of... The depths of despair. Correct. It's hurricane season, (laughs) number one. And if you live in a place that doesn't get hurricanes, they're wild. They're crazy. AF. Because it's like, it could be literally anything. People are like, is it going to be windy? Maybe. Is it going to rain? Probably. Is it going to be randomly sunny and beautiful, but also eerily scary? Might be. Yes, probably. Is it going to tear the roof off my house? Who knows? No one knows. for sure. (laughs) It's like the scariest thing in the world. Well, I mean, it's fine. Whatever. Earthquakes are the scariest thing in the world. But this is like... But it is scary. So scary. We're probably fine. We're like waiting right now. Tomorrow's supposed to be the really bad day. So when this episode comes out, it will have already happened. You will have already endured the bad day. Yeah, maybe I died. Maybe I didn't. Who knows? We'll find out next Wednesday. (laughs) Find out next week on Malpractice. Oh, yeah. This is Malpractice. (laughs) Aw. It's our show. We said Malpals. We said it, yeah. I'm Sydney. it's fine. And I'm Jess. And, and we talk about the weather. <laughs> this is a podcast about the weather in a very specific part of Texas, which you probably don't care about. <laughs> and our opinions about hurricanes. Correct. <laughs> That's this episode. We are here to talk about f- weather phenomenon, uh, mm-hmm. potentially global warming. We could talk about that. Oh, we could definitely talk about that. Because it's making it would... the hurricanes like crazy. Like every yeah. year now, they're like, you're going to die this year. And we're like, okay, well, if you live on the coast, the oceans are rising and you should be nervous. I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous. That's I... actually one of the reasons we left Houston. Yeah. Was because of the weather. It's so trash. Of course, you're fucking Houston for life. Yeah, I'm a ride or die Houstonian. I'm not going to lie. You are. I'm such a homer. I love it here. Every time people come, I'm like a tour guide. I'm like, here are the 10 best museums in Houston. And everyone's like, okay, calm down. At least that's nice. There's hurricanes. Okay, so we've had a break. It's been short, but we back. And we ready. Um, We were like breathing during the break and we were reflecting on a couple of things. Like it's almost been a year since we started our podcast, which. Can you believe that? WTF. (laughs) Make that make sense to me that it's been a year. Almost a year. We're not at one year yet. Well, I'm sure we're at. I'm sure we're at the point that we originally started thinking about podcasts. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Um, So we're at the idea anniversary of our podcast. Yeah. We've covered really cool topics. Agreed. We've interviewed amazing people. Today's episode is no exception. Spoiler alert. 100%. And we just, like, really have enjoyed what, what we're doing, to be honest. Yeah. We we hope you guys enjoy yeah. it, too. Um, so I want to ask you some questions, little angel. Do it. 
What has been your favorite episode so far? Because we did talk about this post-season one, and I wonder if your favorite episode has changed. I have to think about this. Okay, my favorite one that I did, I think, was the Nexium Wellness Cult. Oh, yeah. That was Because a that one is so weird. That was a bop. And it's so random, and you know it has true crime, and I love true crime. Yeah, you do. My favorite episode that you did, I think, has to be DuPont. Yeah, because it also has <laughs> true crime. Yep. That sounds about you know, right. You, you know what I like. I also yeah. really liked your Starvation Heights episode. That is still a bop from beginning, from way back when. If you haven't listened that to that one, weird go shit. back to the very beginning. Starvation Heights is terrifying. The one of the most <laughs> yes. truly fucked up things that I have ever heard to this day. What are your favorites? Um, I was just doing my own little scrolling tin. We can't say who our favorite guests are because I've oh, every single you know guest we have. <laughs> all of them. All of them. I love every guest we've interviewed. They're all my favorite. I <laughs> I want to adopt them all. As my children. <laughs> you know I want to adopt Dr. Nate Link. He said in... Okay. CMO. He said Jessica we could adopt said, him. I don't know if you guys remember this. In At the very end of that episode... <laughs> it's the weirdest thing I have ever said in my life. But I stand by We it. were talking about Dr. Link and we were like, wow, we love him. Loved that episode. Loved interviewing him. And Jess goes, I want to adopt him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why did I say that? That's and he sent for, us like, an... half the things I say. Correct. Why, why did I say Why? That? Make it make sense. And he sent us an email, and he was like, hey, love doing the podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. And by the way, I would love for either of you to adopt me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, it's the light of day, and you're a creep, Jessica Oswald. Jessica Please Oswald, yeah. <laughs> stop it right now. But that man um, has the most calming energy. Oh, my God. No, he is the best person. He's the person, if you haven't listened to that interview, he's That's the person you want at the helm of your hospital when it's going through crisis. Yes, absolutely. Any crisis. What is going on in the world? The hurricane, bring him down. Call, call him He'll in. solve all the problems. Absolutely. So my favorite one that you've ever done, or mm -hmm. you did in season two, is Radium Girls. Oh, I loved that one. That was because then I watched the movie. Yes, same. And it was also good. Yeah. But the episode is better. No offense to the movie. Thank you. And my favorite one that I did was DuPont because I was shook AF. The DuPont one shook me to still my core. Shook. Yeah. To my core. I threw out pants. Yeah. I don't have pants anymore. <laughs> I still am like renovating my whole life to get rid of uh, DuPont yeah. chemicals. Like get them out. Get them out of bye here. Bye. Get them out. Never heard of them. Hate them. What is something we talked about? Well, I mean, we kind of already talked about this. So it was like your WTH moment that you were like, wait, really? Like, what was that episode for you? Mm. I can go first if you want. DuPont. It was? It was DuPont. It was DuPont for me. Or, um, let me think. I have to look if I'm talking. If we're talking season one, it was that one. Um, I'm like, you did it. And I was like, what? It was like on jeans or something. Oh, CRISPR? Yes, that was the one I still have nightmares. Yeah, CRISPR is crazy. Probably MK Ultra was was one another one for me that I was like MK mm -hmm. Ultra was a very weird one. Like when I was doing the 
the research for MK Ultra, I was like, okay, first of all, there's no way this is real. It's super real. But then there were like certified CIA documents that were like in court with, you know, whatever, what what do you call it? Classified. They're like classified bits like blacked out. And I was like, this is real. Mm-hmm. Like people won settlements with the CIA. Like there are documented court cases. Like it's real. I like, couldn't believe it. Very strange. I thought it was a, a conspiracy theory. I'm going to yeah. be honest. I feel like if somebody wins a documented court case and you could read like court transcripts, then you basically know it's real. Yeah, 17,000 people. <laughs> right. And DuPont, like everybody sued DuPont. Yeah. That was I my fucking what the hell filed moment. a suit because who Same. knows? <laughs> yeah, throw it on there. The judge is like, I'll hear it. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? So, what are you excited about for the future of the pod? So, do you have any big plans for this next season? Yes. Um, I have a running list of episodes yeah. that I always keep, you know, we do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a few like viewer requests. Don't don't feel like you need to 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 spoil. Okay, okay. Don't need to spoil. I have a few episodes. But the are... viewer request is cool. Yeah, I have a few episodes based on listener requests. Um, one of them is a professor that I'm very, very excited about. She does some really yeah. cool that you know her. Do mm-hmm. I spoil it? No, don't spoil. Okay, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. But we've got some big things in the works for season three that we're super excited about. I'm so jazzed about it. What about you? So I was talking about the um, at this work meeting I was at um, at, about Mm -hmm. our our food allergy (laughs) episodes because um, my coworker, Eric, like listens to the pod. And he was like, I did, mm-hmm. I did hear those. Like, those are really good. And my boss, his son has like severe food allergies, like severe yeah. allergies. And he was like, um, you know, you should talk to my wife. Like, I'm sure she'd want to be interviewed. And like, she had oh, to become the expert um, yeah. for, for everything for him. Like she did her own research. Basically, you know, we've already kind of covered that, how you have yeah. to become, but I think, that moment where people are like, hey, like, you should talk to so-and-so to be on your pod. I'm like, that's yeah. a that's cool. Like, that makes me excited. I love that. And I have, like, plans. I have my running list, too. But I think yeah. what's cool is, like, when people are like, hey, you should talk to so-and-so. Yeah, me too. Like, the connecting moments, that's, like, kind of cool. I also love, um, this is going to sound like a humble brag, and maybe it kind of is, but a lot of the, like, a lot of the guests that we've had like Emily Nolan, Nate Link, a lot of those people reached out to us to ask us about being on the show. And it is like, it just gave me chills. Like it's such, <laughs> it's such an honor. We're not worthy. We're I still worthy. feel like, I still feel like we're like running things out of our garage, which we're both in our closets right now. So we kind of are. Right now. But people reaching out to us and being like, hey, I love your show. I'd love to be a guest as an expert. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that. It feels yeah. like such an honor and such a privilege and also to like get their stories out feels like such a good use of our platform. Yeah. That's why we wanted to do it too. So yeah. I think that's really cool. I think it's cool when listeners are like, Can we cover can you cover this? Like I have questions about this. I love that. Like you do a good job of engaging, like what what do you want to hear, this or that, right? Yeah. And then it's like the follow on it it created our first two parter. Like all of yeah. those moments are just really, really cool. I totally so. agree. And I'm excited to just, I'm excited to be back recording. I know we've done, we've done a few interviews and stuff like that. And we did the two-parter. So it feels like we haven't done like, we haven't sat down and done like a normal recording in a while. And it feels really good to be back like 
I love it. Hi. And I love you. Hi. <laughs> yeah. I love you too. Um, it's smooth transition. So today we yeah. have an exciting um, episode with our newest bestie, Kira. She's an absolute angel. Um, and she's the host really? of a podcast called DNA Today, which is a show after our own heart, which makes Kira Dinan, the host, a kindred spirit. She started this podcast called DNA Today, a genetics podcast, in 2012, and it became a radio show in 2014. It started as a series of many genetic lessons and bioethical debates, and it soon became something much more. The podcast has since produced over 150 episodes interviewing different experts in the field of genetics, and Kira herself is actually a genetic counselor, a certified genetic counselor. She has a master's of science in human genetics from Sarah Lawrence College in New York. She received her diagnostic genetics bachelor's of science from the University of Connecticut, and she's a certified cytogenetic technologist. If you were wondering why Sydney had that section of the script, it's because I cannot read those words. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, dang, I'm so glad I didn't cytogenetic. I would have been like cryptology. I don't know what I would have said. (laughs) Cryptozoology. She's actually a cryptozoologist. The first of her kind. She's listening to this episode like absolutely not. (laughs) No, she's cool. I'm glad I didn't have an opportunity to ruin it. (laughs) But I just did, so sorry. No, you're fine. People love it when you mispronounce words. I don't know what it is, but literally everyone is like, it's my favorite. I think it's because it's real. And if you met me once, you're like, yeah. Yeah. that's (laughs) A bitch can't read. That's (laughs) Jessica. Okay. Uh, So the podcast DNA Today won Best 2020 Science and Medicine Podcast Award, which that's me snapping. Snaps for Kira, snaps for DNA today. I can't snap. I don't even know what this sounds like in the mic. It's really like, who's. You didn't eat your bread crust when you were a kid. Wait, that's whistling. (laughs) Did your parents ever tell you that? I can't do that either. My parents, I hated bread crust when I was a kid, and I would always ask my parents to cut it off. Oh my God, you were that kid. Yeah. And they were like, if you eat your bread crust, it helps you whistle. Like they straight up just lied to me. Lied. Full on lies. <laughs> I can't even whistle that well. Anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. So the show was also nominated three other years in the podcast award. So congratulations to Kira and all of the staff of DNA Today. You guys are awesome. Yeah. She's um, super in addition, cool. she's hosted and produced other four other podcasts, two of which are healthcare podcasts. One called Insight Says, a mental health podcast, which we think is amazing, and Advancing Dentistry, a dental podcast. Mm-hmm. She's literally our new best friend, and this is an amazing episode. She has all kinds of cool stuff to say about um, genetics, genetic uh, counseling, and all of the things. <laughs> I thought you were going to say genetics again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say she has all the things to say about genetics and genetics. That's what I thought you were going to say. Genetics and genetics, genetics and also genetics. <laughs> So Kira is going to give you some really cool information, and without further ado, welcome Kira. Welcome to our closets. Thank you so much for being here. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting just to be diving into all the genetics talk we're going to be talking about today. But I'm Kira Deneen. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a prenatal genetic counselor. And a podcaster. <laughs> and a podcaster. That is true. Yes. It's like you do a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and. Do I just like list You have things? a lot of hats. Yeah. Yeah. I've been podcasting for 10 years, so it's it's 
been interesting to see how the industry's changed over the years and everything. You don't have to explain. Mm-hmm. It's an internet radio show. Now you just yeah. say it's a podcast and people accept that. So Everybody knows. Well, pretty much everybody knows. And <laughs> pretty we'll much, get into yeah. a bit more about your history um, and like all the things that kind of make you you, right? And, and why, right? This kind of intersected into our show and why we're excited to have you. But you do host your own po- podcast, which was actually awarded um, a Best 2020 Science and Medicine Podcast Award. So shout out to you and your listeners <laughs> um and you appear like in a bunch of yeah. creative outlets um which we love and we're definitely going to ask some questions about that as well but first that genetic counselor piece uh for high-risk patients can you tell us a bit about the why behind you you doing that and and then also what it is <laughs> yeah yes yeah let's start with that what is genetic counseling because that's not a household name yet i don't think so genetic counselors help people, patients, family members understand their genetics so they can make informed healthcare decisions. So this can really be in so many different areas of healthcare. Mm -hmm. So a lot of genetic counselors work in cancer, Mm -hmm. pediatric, prenatal are like the top hitters, but really any area of healthcare genetic counselors are involved or shortly will be involved. So as a prenatal genetic counselor, I'm meeting with people that are pregnant and talking about genetics of their pregnancy, looking to see if they want to do testing, going through family history. That's a really important piece for any genetic counseling and talking about ultrasound results too, just going over ultrasound findings, um, their pregnancy history. So going over all that information and then as people decide to do testing, if that's something they decide to do, then going through those results. What does that mean? What does Mm -hmm. that mean for them and their partner and their family, but also more extended family members too, in case there's implications there. Um, So that's kind of the, you know, snapshot of what I do as a prenatal genetic counselor. Cool. And why why did you choose that? So I got into genetic counseling because I thought genetics was just so fascinating. Um, Ever since high school, I was like, that was always the unit I was most excited for. Um, And what I love about it is that there's so little that we know about genetics. So the possibilities are just endless with how much I expect to learn in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm you know relatively young, so I've only been in this field for you know so many years. But it's really exciting to just see how fast things change and things that I've learned are now outdated. And you know, some people that might be frustrating. That's I just learned this now. I got to learn something new. But I think that's a very exciting aspect in just that what we used to be able to do for patients is so different than what it is today. And just exciting to see how many treatments are being created and developed. Um, So I think that there's just so much promise in genetics and we're learning that genetics really is the basis of so many issues in healthcare. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of things come back to that genetic point. So I think that that's, you know, Going back to like how genetic counselors can work in every area of healthcare, it's even outside of that. I've known genetic counselors working for the government, doing research, working for you know commercial companies, um, consulting. So it's it's really cool to be able to have you know a career that is such a variety of different paths to yeah. take, um, and and just the impact you have with people, either you know on this scale of talking to many people through podcasting, or just sitting one on one with patients and going through their information and helping them understand all this genetic information because it kind of is like another language, you know? Yeah. We get some information in in high school, hopefully college, but a lot of it is not, you know, explained or whatever they learned is now, you know, outdated. 
Um, so I think kind of all those aspects led me to genetic counseling career. That's so cool. I, I know that you mentioned you typically work with preconception and prenatal uh, patients, but who typically needs genetic counseling? Like what other avenues are there? If someone has family history of cancer, um, that could be a reason to see a genetic counselor. So some signs of like hereditary cancer. So that inherited form would be if mm -hmm. people are under 50 when they're diagnosed with cancer, if it's same or similar cancers in the family, that's in the same branch mm -hmm. of the family affecting multiple generations. Um, and if one person has had two cancers or more cancers, so those might be reasons that someone goes to see a cancer genetic counselor. Okay. And those are just some of the, you know, the signs. Um, and what they may find is after doing genetic testing, if that's something that that person decides to do, is that they have inherited a genetic mutation or like a spelling change that has elevated their risk for cancer. Um, and at that point, there may be mm. areas where we can prevent cancer. Um, so some people are familiar with the BRCA genes. Angelina Jolie mm -hmm. made them, you know, quite famous about five, six years ago. And, you know, from that of a lot of people learning about this and deciding to do similar measures as Angelina Jolie, like getting a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy of removing breast tissue before cancer happens. Um, mm -hmm. So that would be one example kind of in the cancer realm. Um, in the pediatric realm, if a mm -hmm. uh, child is not meeting milestones, they're you know, not holding their head up on time, um, crawling, mm -hmm. verbal cues, um, you know, a lot of different issues that can come up there of meeting with a genetic counselor and understanding that disorder more if there is a disorder. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about all the different areas. You know, there's just so many of them. So when a patient comes to you, typically, how does the consultation work? Like, how does it start? Can you kind of walk us through the basics of, of that kind of interaction? Yeah, definitely. So when I sit down, usually I'm sitting down with a person that's pregnant. And I start out by going over their pregnancy history, if they have any, if it's not their first pregnancy. Um, going through any complications they had during the pregnancy, any complications through the delivery. We talk about any exposures they may have had during pregnancy, any alcohol, drugs, x-rays, cigarettes, fever, um, mm -hmm. and then going through that family history. Um, so including cancer. I'm not a cancer genetic counselor, but they're sitting in front of me. They may not meet a cancer genetic counselor. This is my opportunity to check in, you know, outside of prenatal and just doing family history. Um, so we go through all that. And then I go through genetic testing options. Um, so some of that is one of the most popular tests is non-invasive prenatal screening. Um, mm -hmm. So NIPS for short. And this test is really looking at the DNA of the placenta that's just naturally coming off the pregnant person. So by taking a blood draw, we can actually look at that DNA coming off the placenta. And with this, we can screen for certain disorders like Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, a, a major test that we're looking at offering. And then another one is called carrier screening. And this is where we're looking at if a person is a carrier of a condition where they could pass down that condition if their partner is a carrier of the same condition. So this is a condition like cystic fibrosis, sickle cell, mm -hmm. um, where both parents need to be a carrier of the condition. So that's when we start getting their partner more involved um, as well in terms of testing that they may be tested at that point or sperm, sperm donor, you know, whatever, whoever is involved in the pregnancy. Um, so those are like the two main tests that we go over in terms of like options there. And then obviously going over those results with patients, uh, you know, after I get results. Yeah. 
So interesting. So when you meet a patient for the first time and you're like, what brings you here today? What do they say? <laughs> so usually they're coming from the ultrasound. So usually they you know, are aware of the pregnancy. Uh -huh. um, and usually they're between like 10, 13 weeks. So the end of the first trimester. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of just go over with them. Like, this is the information we're going to cover during the session. Like, do you have any questions before we start? Sometimes they're like, oh, this is my fourth pregnancy. I just want to do all of what I've done before. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's figure out what that was. Make sure you want to do that again. Yeah. Um, and when it's people's first pregnancies, um, to me, it's a little more obvious because they're asking a lot more yeah. questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's just so much to go over. And, and sometimes it's genetic related. Sometimes it's not. I'm like, let's ask the nurse practitioner because that's not my area. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm certainly learning a lot about pregnancy, um, you know, sure. outside of the genetic realm as well. But um, yeah, patients are usually somewhat familiar. They've been, you know, they've been told that they'll meet with a genetic counselor. Um, and sometimes they're like, well, why is that? Is something wrong? Um, and not necessarily, um, every practice in hospital is different. I meet with all the patients, um, at our practice that are pregnant. Um, so just kind of part of our standard of care. Um, but that definitely differs depending on where you are, you know, in the world, in the U S, um, you know, definitely just like changes between places. That's so interesting. Well, I, I'm just curious. Um, so when you, when you're answering their questions, right. What is some, what is the like most common question? And then what's the craziest question somebody ever asked you? <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's a good question. Um, I think the most common question is, uh, what's, what's the blood test mm. that can tell me the sex of the baby? Um, so that's the most common. Um, I have a blog post coming out about that soon. Um, just covering, you know, really that and beyond of all the questions I get about that testing. Um, and like kind of a follow-up to that mm -hmm. is how accurate is it? Um, it's looking at sex chromosomes. So, you know, and I have, I have the conversation with them between sex and gender and kind of educating patients. Right. I was about to ask that. Yeah. Because they'll say, oh, gender of the baby. And I always just kind of say sex of the baby. Like that's, you know, obviously the, the science. And then terms. you start finding <laughs> And then you ask right, them. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then you ask them to stop doing stupid gender reveals. No one wants to go to that. <laughs> So I do warn a little bit and I kind of get a sense because patients are either on one side or the other oh, where okay. they say like, oh yeah, like, you know, I don't care. Just call me, tell me what it is, like whatever. Or they're like, oh, we're not finding out until the birth, which is less common nowadays. Um, I think kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. um, and then you yeah, have- that'll be me. <laughs> yeah, probably me too, eventually. Just um, love spoilers. And... There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to know because I will not allow people to buy gender specific items for See, a child. Maybe you I could find out and not tell anybody else. You also could play it that way. No, if we find out, my wife will. <laughs> yeah, she, she's just going to go no for way. it. There's no way. Yeah, no. So it will have yeah, to be a surprise. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I'm certainly kind of. You know, people say, oh, yeah, we're doing a gender reveal, which, I mean, we can get into the title of that. But, um, you know, I say, well, just, yeah, I kind of make a joke that just don't send any fires. Don't, you know, <laughs> just do something simple, please. Yeah. You know, I don't want to hear about this on the news. Um, you know, obviously, the, you know, it is, is a problem. Um, but for the most part, people are doing like balloons or something. Mm. But, yeah, that's definitely a common question. And the craziest question, I mean, I'm trying to think of like something that's like totally out of the box. I mean, sometimes I'll get questions where I'm like, were you listening? Like, that doesn't quite line up, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I'm just like, oh, you know, this question makes me think, like, I got to backpedal a lot and review a lot of, like, basic genetics before jumping into things. 
Right. Um, but a lot of, I mean, during family history, people will bring up like, oh, is this genetic? You know, that's mm. a common question. Like, is this thing mm. that my dad have genetic? Um, and I mean, that's such a complicated question for certain things yeah. I can give an answer to. Um, but most of the time it's like genetics plays a role. Environment plays a role. We don't really know. Um, I wish I had a better answer for that. I'm going to have to think about that and get back to you for like the yeah, craziest, craziest question. Yeah. Yeah. Going through like all of these like fertility appointments, right? I think. I try to ask all the questions and now I wonder, oh my, am I asking them a stupid question? Now I'm like, what's am I the crazy patient? I <laughs> am I the crazy? Oh, person? I doubt it. I doubt it. It's more like I spend 10 minutes going over something and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, all right, let's, let's go Yikes. back to basics, you know? Sure. Uh, but for the most yeah. part, I found patients are pretty engaged and, you know, a lot of people are excited to be there, excited about a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really cute when they can bring their partners in and everything and like have those conversations together. Yeah, that's so cool. Has that shifted with COVID? Has has the excitement kind of gone away if they're coming in alone or virtual? Has that that's not even on our list of yeah. questions, but I was just no, That's curious. a good question. I mean, I have seen a bit of a shift. Um I think mm-hmm. especially when COVID started because we were really in the unknown before we had vaccines, right. yeah. um, especially before that was okayed for pregnant people to have vaccines, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. like while they're pregnant. So I think at that point, you know, there was more hesitation and, you know, I was meeting, I'm meeting people very early in pregnancy. So, you know, the projection mm-hmm. of, okay, what is it going to look like when I'm delivering is it was such an unknown, especially last summer. Um, and a little bit now too with Delta, you know, so with the yeah. variant. So yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, and at one point, the hospitals around me, I'm practicing outside of New York City, and you know they were not allowing partners to be there during deliveries. And I right. cannot imagine that. Right. That's so yeah. hard. You know, it's like yeah. if people have partners, other family members, friends, you know, it's like they're part of that pregnancy journey and, and part of that parenthood. You know, I can't imagine just you know being in there alone and going through that and laboring. And sometimes, you know, you know, complications are coming up with that too. So yeah, really feel right. for patients. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see that that's gotten better, but you know, still a concern. Definitely. Very isolating. I, I would imagine. So I want to switch the focus a little bit to talk about the increase in the popularity of like direct to consumer DNA testing services like 23andMe, Ancestry does theirs, which your podcast actually has a whole series on that is super interesting. But in a nutshell, can you kind of tell us how that's affected your field? Yeah, big impact. You know, that's the spoiler there. Um, Yeah, on DNA Today, we did a seven part series on direct consumer uh, genetic test and I mean, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, in terms of the impact on our field, you know, I have patients all the time, you know, when, especially when I ask about what countries their ancestors are from as part of the ha- family history portion of the session, um, then they start bringing up, oh, well, let me show you my 23andMe results. So that's something that happens a lot. Um, yeah. And it's definitely interesting. If we have time, that's cool to, you know, get into. But part of it is that, People don't understand the limits of the testing. I think that's my biggest gripe with it. Yeah. That if people understand, okay, the testing is only able to do A, B, and C, it can't do X, Y, and Z, then I would feel much better about it. So I think it's more the education piece that sometimes I struggle with. You know, going back to, I mentioned uh, the BRCA genes, if you have a mutation in one of those, that there's an increased risk for cancer, um, of developing cancer in your lifetime. 
And so, you know, 23andMe is a company that will look at mutations in BRCA, Mm. but it only looks at three mutations. So if you have one of those three mutations, you know, that's probably going to be brought up. Yeah. But if you have a mutation elsewhere in the gene, not one of those three hotspots, you're maybe going to misunderstand that and say, oh, I don't have any mutation. Right. And then on the flip side, people that are doing the testing saying, hey, I'm doing this for fun. Let's see what countries I'm from. Oh, we'll check off, you know, that I'm doing like the health related information. They find out they have a mutation that brings them into a doctor. They never would have done testing otherwise. That's amazing that we were able to find that. Yeah. And that person may have never had genetic testing, may have developed cancers, didn't know. So I think it's it's mm. really sticky gray area. But if people understand the limitations of the testing, I think it's great. So how accurate percentage-wise would you say that um, the country of origin is? Because I did one and I did not... <laughs> think that that was very accurate according to my, didn't match up the family stories to what my dad has in our history yeah <laughs> you know and it, it's interesting because it can be very specific for people that are of european descent so taking myself as an example you know i grew up being told one of my grandparents um you know his parents were from ireland east cork ireland i'm like okay most of my cousins have gone out visited over there um, and you know, I go to do the test. I don't tell anybody about it. Cause I'm like, well, what if I find out something that doesn't match up all the family stories? Yeah. You know, and I did. So it, it came back East Cork, Ireland, and I didn't tell 23 me that, you know, they, they figured that out. So it can be very specific for people from European countries, but it's not as specific for people from non-European countries. And that's another area of issue. That's not just with direct consumers, but really, Genetic testing in general, we don't have as much data for people from other countries. Um, and then we're not able to get as specific. Um, and, you know, I think that this is a major problem in genetics and it's slowly being addressed. I wish that that was happening sooner. Um, but, yeah. you know, that's with direct consumers and also medical grade testing. So that was a perfect yeah. segue, right, into our next <laughs> topic um so great job shout out to you can you tell i'm a podcaster (laughs) yeah (laughs) we usually don't have good transitions so that was awesome no we just Um, change lanes quickly (laughs) we just are like smooth transition and then we'll transition yeah um why is that that the genetic databases are not more diverse fairly inclusive Yeah. yeah yeah i think one of the issues is just you know, when we look at the history of genetics, um, you know, spanning out not just genetic counseling, but genetics in general, there's a lot of issues in our history. You guys have highlighted some on the show. You know, you've talked about Henrietta Lacks, uh, other genetic topics and, and gone into that. And, you know, one, a lot of the genomes that we started with, especially like, you know, the first 10, first 100, yeah. those are all white people. Mm. When you look at it, you know, a lot of people specifically from Utah, oh. because the study started there. And, you know, I don't know all the details with that. But yeah, specifically Utah, you know, over time, we've gotten better mm. than in mm-hmm. the past. Um, we're not where we should be. And I think the other part of that is just the mistrust with the medical community, which is completely understandable. Yeah. Um, another topic you guys have, have dived into a lot on this show and that, you know, I think as healthcare providers, we need to do a better job at educating the public about this and having patients be a partner in research as opposed to just giving a sample. Yeah. So I think that that is a big part of it. 
you know, there are a lot of studies that are starting to do this more where, you know, participants are treated more like partners than just like, oh, you were a donor of this blood sample. So I, I think, you know, there's a lot that we need to be doing on our end as healthcare providers in order to have this be more diverse databases, because, you know, giving a real world example as a prenatal genetic counselor, when I do carrier screening that we talked about before, looking if someone's say a cystic fibrosis carrier, different conditions like that, the autosomal recessive conditions. If I have someone that is European descent, I do the testing, they, you know, don't come back as a carrier. There's still a percent chance that the test missed that they're a carrier because it's screening. So it's not perfect. Yeah. That chance is going to be much less than someone that's uh, from a non-European country because we don't have as much data. So when we're looking at people's genes and trying to understand, okay, this spelling difference, is this human diversity? And just, you know, part of just how we are all different, or is this change leading the gene not to work and going to cause an issue if that's passed down? So understanding the spelling differences and what that means for gene to work or not is not as good for people of non-European descent because we don't have as much data to understand all those spelling changes. So, I mean, this has gotten drastically better. Um, It used to be much more of an issue, but it still is an issue. Um, So that's something that I, you know, am, that's something as a genetic counselor, I'm asking labs about like, okay, well, what's your data about people from these countries? And like my patient Mm -hmm. has ancestors from these countries. So like, you know, what are the numbers you can give me with that? And how, how is your laboratory helping to solve this problem so that I don't have that discrepancy between patients where, you know, that's a huge, huge difference sometimes. I mean, we're talking about yeah. s- small numbers here, but to me, that's a difference if I'm not able to give the same level of care to patients. Sure. Yeah. Can you, as a patient, could you um, request like a more diverse genetic lab. <laughs> Could you like do that? Be like, I don't want this to go to a trash lab. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that could be a question. You know, if you're, you're a patient and you're thinking about this and saying, well, what genetic testing did I have? Um, you could ask your healthcare provider and say like, okay. And, and it should be in your lab report mm. of, you know, we're talking about carrier screening. If you've had it before, it should have your residual risk which is the fancy name for what's the chance that you're a carrier and the test missed that. So that's specific to your ethnicity. So that information should be there. And, and you could say, is there a way you could get me a number for someone of a different ethnicity so I could compare that just for my own knowledge? Um, I haven't had a patient ask for that yet. Just I feel like <laughs> if you were my patient, maybe you would be asking me I that. I will ask my, um, <laughs> my doctor. Because I'm crazy. Yeah. They'll be like, what? And then yeah, they'll be on a podcast. And they'll be like, that's the craziest question. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's the craziest question. Right. Asked. Yes. <laughs> Full circle. Um, Jess, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing. Have you done carrier screening before? Is that familiar to you? So um, in the process right now of doing some fertility kind of testing my wife and I so we have mm-hmm. like been through a bunch of testing um so much testing yeah, yeah um which is like you know fun good times but um also very expensive so. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and I think the other part is looking I don't know if you're using a sperm donor or someone that you know um but looking to see that they're not a carrier for the same conditions Correct. that you and your partner might come up as um which I'm sure they'll cover if they haven't already they have, you know, with yeah. you and your partner yeah. and everything yeah it sounds like a very stressful process from from my side of things I'm very nervous just for Jess, for me for everyone <laughs> <laughs> 
Have you had to learn any hard lessons sitting on the provider side of the sort of healthcare and counseling side of the table? Yeah, I think one of them is really just how common it is to have a miscarriage. I think that's something that, Mm. you know, I heard statistics before being a healthcare provider, but actually sitting with patients and just seeing how common it is, you know, it makes me think of, you know, just people that have been through this thinking like, oh my gosh, like I didn't expect this to come up for me. Like this is so rare. And it really isn't. It's like one in four people experience a miscarriage, one in four um, females. Oh so, wow. you know, that that is very common. And a lot of patients that I meet with, you know, for their first pregnancies, you know, maybe they haven't, you know, had that. Maybe they haven't been trying before. I would say probably over half of the patients that I see have had a miscarriage before. Wow. So my data is a little bit skewed because I have high risk patients in there as well. Right. But I think that that's one that, you know, is not something that's talked about as much. Um, definitely yeah. more so in recent years. Um, but just that that is, you know, can be hard for people to go through, but possibly a silver lining is just knowing that a lot of other people experience this at some point. Yeah. Do you think it's less talked about yeah. because of like the taboo and the kind of, I, I mean, it's a really painful topic, obviously, for so many people, but it's difficult to have a conversation around it because it's such a difficult topic. But on top of that, is there any other reason that you think people are not really talking about that as much? I think one that it's just so personal. Um, yeah. So, you know, and yeah, and maybe someone wants to talk about it, but their partner doesn't. And that's really something that's between them. And, yeah. you know, I think also with work culture of deciding, you know, when you're pregnant, when am I telling work about this? If you have a full-time job, if you have a part-time job, you know, a situation like that. Um, and most miscarriages happen in the first trimester when people are usually not informing work. Um, so I think at that point, because it's not public information, then that doesn't come up with people. Um, mm-hmm. you know, different story if it's after they've told people. And and that's something that patients bring up to me. They're like, well, when should I start telling people that I'm pregnant? And that's such a personal decision. You know, I can give them medical information on like risks of a miscarriage at that point. Um, if that's yeah. something that they're concerned about. Um, or, you know, just say some patients wait until they get this result back. Some patients wait until this ultrasound, some people with COVID, you know, we were saying earlier, just don't say anything until they're eight months. And they're like, Hey, I'm having a baby in a couple of weeks. Right. Um, Surprise. Yeah. So See you later. You know, that can be, you know, really different. And, and I think the stigma about it is lifting slowly. So I think that that's a good aspect that we don't have as much of a stigma anymore as people realize how common it is. Yeah. You know, we think about it, the human body's not as great at reproducing as I think a lot of people think. You know, a lot of people have probably had a miscarriage, not even known they were pregnant because it happened so early. Um, so, you know, that that's also an aspect oh, wow. that I don't have statistics on that. But just knowing how the body works and everything that, you know, maybe you you miss one period yeah. and you're like, oh, OK, not sure what's going on with that. And then you get it back and you didn't know you're pregnant. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot to explore with miscarriages, but just know if you listening to this, you've had a miscarriage when your, your partners has, or, you know, good friends, family, like know that this is, it's unfortunately very common. Yeah. Could you give our listeners any advice if they know somebody who's been through a miscarriage or struggling with a miscarriage? Like how, how would you advise them to or not to talk about it or you know of course it'll probably depend on the their friend or their their loved one you know but if you have any advice in that regard good question yeah I think if you're someone that wants to reach out to other people there are so many different communities to connect with 
Um, you know, it can be a hit or a miss like on Facebook communities. Uh, so definitely take that with a grain of salt, but there also are some, I know you talked about, you know, on a previous show, um, about the ICU that there are some communities like through hospitals too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you, your local hospital, you know, inquire about that, you know, your OBGYN may know about specific groups in your area. So I think that's good, you know, to think about. Um, and just, you know, I think it's good to talk to people that you're close to and that you trust because that, you know, is, it's really tough thing to go through on a medical side. I would say if you've had recurrent pregnancy loss, so two or more pregnancy losses, um, that's when I think you should check in with a healthcare provider as well. Um, just to see if there's any testing to do to figure out maybe Mm -hmm. is there a biological reason behind that, that we can identify. Um, so I would certainly recommend doing that. Um, at that point, you could also meet with a genetic counselor. So sometimes I have patients that, you know, have that history and we're meeting to see, you know, can I find any reason genetically that this is happening um, and providing them yeah. more information at that point. And you actually, on your podcast, you have a whole, this is something for our listeners, Kira has a whole series that she's doing about different infertility issues. And in that space, could you tell us, uh, like, what are the most interesting things that you learned kind of doing that series about infertility. Yeah. Yeah. That's another seven episode series. So there's a lot of information there. Um, I had a genetic counselor come on that actually specializes in fertility since I don't, you know, I meet with people once they're pregnant, um, but not as much on that fertility end. It's really interesting just to see like, you know, and and Jess can probably speak to this better than I can, honestly, but just so much testing that you can do to, you know, figure out if you're having any issues or if, you know, you're not in a heterosexual relationship and you're doing things in a, what people say a different way. I mean, that's going to be my future, but, you know, so I think just knowing that there's a lot of different testing, um, and often it's for mm-hmm. you and your partner. So it's not necessarily for just the person that's looking to become pregnant. Um, so I think that's just good to be aware of, of just all the different testing and that things are changing so fast. You know, fertility is one of the areas that changes the fastest that, you know, I'm exposed to in genetics and everything. So um, just a lot of new testing and different ways that we can test embryos too. So if you know of a certain genetic condition in your family, um, you have the option of doing mm-hmm. what's called IVF and potentially mm-hmm. choosing an embryo that didn't inherit a certain condition. So there's just, I mean, so, so many options, you know, and I think that's yeah. something else that should be talked about more that it's, you know, not necessarily just like a natural conception, yeah. um, but there's so many different ways to become a parent. So cool. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I, we Going through all this, right, we have to, like, fight with our insurance because they're like, you're not infertile. And I'm like... Right. You're like, well, we've tried for over 12 months. Nothing happens. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Nothing's you happening. You check off that box. <laughs> so our, our doctor has to write us, like, a letter. Um, and even then, I mean, you know, there's, like, what, 20% of companies provide any fertility yeah mm-hmm. anything with their health insurance if they provide it at all it's just absolute trash but it's so awkward to be like um yeah, like this is why like <laughs> i don't know what to tell you insurance people like yeah. i cannot become pregnant and on that- my own. <laughs> also i can't be the only one and that's something that i hope changes right yeah like how many people are with someone yeah. of the same sex it, it, you know so I think that that's something that I would like to see change where it's like we would just check off a box saying, okay, this is the situation and this is where insurance, you know, would kick in a little bit. Um, Because, yeah, you know, that's there's different ways of defining infertility. Um, And so, you know, that Mm -hmm. can be a type of infertility. It's so annoying. 
When you get there, yeah. give me a call. It is very annoying. We'll talk shit. <laughs> I will be. it is so annoying. I'm like, y'all are absolute trash. You get pricked and prodded, all kinds of needles. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like, how are you still being penalized for being in a same-sex relationship in this day and age? Like, Grow up. And grow yeah, up, insurance it's, companies. It's not like you're choosing to do things, you know, more difficult for yourself. You're, you're just looking to get to the end goal. No, that is so. on brand for me, but that is not yeah. what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs> on brand, but doesn't, doesn't apply. apply. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about your podcast for a second, um, which obviously, yeah. shameless plug, we're into that. Why do you do this work, this podcasting work, um, and what motivates you to do that? So I've always found podcasting to be interesting. I've been doing it 10 years, and I haven't gotten sick of it yet, so I guess I'm in it for the long haul. Um, but I think it's just it's such a unique platform because you get to connect with people very like on a personal level, but you're reaching so many people. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's just a great way that as people are doing chores, you know, driving, mm-hmm. walking, um, you know, they're able to like tune in and just hear someone's voice and, you know, hear this conversation and learn so much from it. Um, so I think that that's just, you know, it drew me into podcasting to begin with and just seeing the amount of people you can impact with it. Um, so, you know, that's something that obviously you guys are passionate. I'm, you know, preaching to the choir here, yeah. but, um, you know, I think that, that it's such a, a great way to connect with people. Um, and I do other things. I do like monthly webinars that are broadcasted. And, you know, I, I have a genetic counseling column um, based out of the UK. And so, you know, I, I think it's it's just cool to be able to explore all different ways of really science communications. I guess all of this is under. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just seeing the, the impact and that, you know, things that yeah. maybe like common sense to some people are not for others. And so just closing that gap so that people can just have free genetic content available to them so they can understand all of this. Um, just something that I've always been really passionate about and kind of why I went for genetic counseling because I was podcasting and everything. And I was like, okay, well, how am I going to, you know, make this into a bigger career? Yeah, that's amazing. What has been the best or, or I won't say the best. What's been your favorite interview that has been on your podcast so far? Like if our listeners wanted to start with an episode on your show, which one would you recommend they start with? Well, I can't say favorite interview because I've had I have <laughs> over 150 episodes, so I can't pick a favorite, but yeah. I'll give a recommendation. Um, so our 150th episode, uh, I had so much fun on. So the episode features two scientists that were involved with the sequencing of one of the first genomes in the world. And wow. they have this really cool story of how it came to be. And really one of the... Um, scientist who's not a geneticist by training heard people were starting to do you know it people were starting to have their genome sequenced like there was a few people in the world at this point um so you know the government was working on this and everything um for the human genome project and he was like well let let me get a little team together see if i can do it so he sequences his own genome and he's having a meeting with a cardiologist he works with and says hey i have a question for you just about this you know gene I, i you know had a question about this one variant here. And he's like, wait, you're bringing up your genome to me. Like you're the 10th person in the world that's even had their genome sequence. And you're just like casually bringing it up to me. Yeah. Um, so they just share their story and, um, you know, go through just how they got to that point and just how it was so groundbreaking at the time. Um, and just looking back on how genetic testing has changed in the years since, I think it was kind of about 10 years ago or maybe a little longer than that. 
you and Ashley, one of the scientists that I'm talking about, has a book that really goes through this whole journey called The Genome Odyssey. Um, so we we kind of talk about that as well in the show and everything. So I would say that's a good episode to tune into just because um, they're rock stars in the field and they were really awesome to have on and they were, uh, they know each other really well. So it was really good dynamic and everything. So that's episode 150 of DNA Today. Very cool. And have you, can I ask a question? Can I ask a very nerdy science question? Oh, of course. Perfect. Who are you talking to? Go for it. <laughs> have you heard of the Human Epigenome Project? So I've heard of it, but I can't speak to it. Okay. But, you know, looking at how the genes are turned on and off is going to give us so much information than just what the genetic code is. Like, yeah. we figured that out pretty much the whole genome. But figuring out how genes are turned on and off, um, that's like the next the next phase of, of genomics, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. We need to do an epigenetics episode. Yeah. I've had a couple of them on the, that's, on the that's, show. I'm adding that yeah, to the list. Yeah. That, that's a really cool <laughs> Very one. Very cool. And, and there's a lot of interesting disorders that are um, based in epigenomics um, and just that there's an epigenetic yeah, change in everything. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. Last question. You've been super generous with your time and thank you so much for being here. Um, and we've been asking this of all of our guests. How do you take your coffee? How do I take my coffee? That's the most important question so far. So <laughs> for us yes. too. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm, I'm cheap. So I make my coffee at home and I just put a little bit of caramel syrup in it. And I feel like that's a perfect cup of coffee. So that sounds fancy. I guess so. A gallon of caramel syrup. <laughs> I put just a little bit. <laughs> An aggressive amount. You're more on the latte side then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm more on like the espresso like most caffeinated possible side <laughs> yeah that's gotcha yeah if I have too much caffeine it's it's crazy and I did a genetic test actually one of the at-home kits and it was like you're very sensitive to caffeine I'm like yep I <laughs> know it's like eight <laughs> ounces for me no more yeah <laughs> Jess will work through like a venti in like four minutes <laughs> that's how I know I need to oh stop my gosh. yeah I gotta cut myself off noon <laughs> I can't have any caffeine afternoon I'm like I cannot yeah. relate yeah. to that I'm, I'm that's crazy. crazy yeah Jess has a full-on yeah, addiction we are opposites like, what, are you okay <laughs> You're like, how do you live your life? How do you, how are you caffeine free? That's awesome. Well, good for you. I'm sure your heart is thanking you. My heart is like, please listen. My heart is like, do you know what water is? <laughs> yeah, you don't Never. know water. Oh, thank you so much. This was fantastic. We're, this was um, beyond cool. We learned so much from you and we're so excited that you could be here. No, thanks for having me. No, you guys have some really interesting episodes. It's cool that you have like, you know, this whole angle and I was just like, oh, like, like Henry and Alex and I go through it. Like, damn, they've already covered that. Cause I, that is my favorite book. I mean, Rebecca Sklu is such a good book. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And some of the, um, some of Henry and Alex's descendants have been on the show wow. to kind of share their, you know, I didn't realize that. That's so cool. Well, thank you so much. We will definitely um, link your podcast, your blog, all your things in our notes so that people can hit you up as well. This was fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, best of luck with the show in season three. Yeah, back at you. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right, bye guys. Thanks for having me.